position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, and welcome to episode 157 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, being recorded for you on this uh, Sunday, October 29th, uh, 2017. That would make it for our sequel friends, 2017, 10.29 at 12.30 p.m. Pacific Coast Time. Crack Engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign. Cheers, Ivor, you're fired. Mm. Mm-hmm. So... We are clearing the decks today for a short show. Hopefully not a short shrift show. But um, we have no new and noteworthies. We have no deals. We have one feature. Uh, I do want to mention in our top stories, uh, our feature, of course, is on Flatpak. Uh, but also in our top stories, um, right now, currently, the Steam Halloween sale is ongoing. I think it ends November 1st or 2nd. So jump on that with both feet. We won't be, uh, this will be the first uh, Halloween sale that we won't be really covering uh, on Best Linux Games uh, podcast. It's kind of interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah. So let's get straight to our feature, shall we? What do you think? Oh, my God. It's the Millennium. The Millennium! 
never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scooky. So, our feature this week is a little something that's a little extra legal, a little morally questionable, but is very exciting and ultra fascinating to think about. Uh, about uh, four days ago, I, I, I have really gotten interested in Cuphead, which is a new game that uses all hand-drawn animation styles, uh, circa Looney Tunes, um, and, and older. Uh, it's a side-scrolling platformer, and it's literally hand-drawn. It uses the same methods, uh, as, you know, cartooning of the Golden Age. And so I went to go get it on Steam, and it's not available for Linux, so like any time that a game is not available for Linux, I jump on their discussion page inside of Steam and I search for Linux to see if anyone else is bitched about Linux or if anyone knows if it's coming out for Linux and if so, when? And uh, what I found on the Cuphead page, which was at the time only three days old the, the post, the thread that I was looking at was an interesting interesting thread uh describing how pirates now there are Linux based pirates now which is really cool um I don't support piracy I haven't uh pirated anything in fuck a long time long long time cause I don't use windows there's really not much need to pirate shit when you don't use windows and uh and by virtue, one of the nice things about this show is that it keeps me honest uh, in that I pay for every single game that I play or talk about on the show. But it turns out that uh, someone came up with the brilliant fucking idea of using Flatpak, which is a essentially a system agnostic uh, sandboxed um, packaging system that a uh, distribution agnostic packaging system, somewhat similar to like App, Apt, or uh, Pac-Man, or Yum, or whatever you have rocking in your distribution. Except that um, unlike Apt and Pac, Pac-Man and Yum, they, the software that is inside the package, it runs natively, but it's sandboxed, so it's, you can be sure that it's, you know, more or less not going to destroy your system with like a virus or malware or anything and it's also similar to docker images in that Flatpak takes and wraps up all of the stuff that you need to run this application and packages it and then sends it out into the world so someone earlier this month came up with the idea I see Flatpak, the reason why Flatpak which was conceived as literally the one uh, packaging system to rule them all. No longer would there be apt, pac-man, yum, etc. There would only be flat pack. There's some problems with this because just like a Docker image, it's evidently uh, not that easy to keep up to date you know, depending on where you're getting your images from. 
you have to rely on the developer to update their own image um, or, or flat pack package, you know, blah. But it is distribution agnostic. So it would run on, you know, Arch, Ubuntu, and RHEL. Okay. Unfortunately, this is an old idea. Um, and this is like the third type of this technology that's come out. Mm. But earlier this month, someone very much like me, it was not me, but someone very much who shares my frustrations with um, game developers who complain and short shrift either through lack of knowledge or just by, by virtue of the fact that it's a smaller marketplace or by virtue of the fact that they can extend their their uh, time in the spotlight uh, by first introducing a Windows um, based version of their game and then waiting a year before introducing a Linux version if they ever do it at all and then a Mac version actually Linux and Mac kind of get reversed instead of that and the other thing is they say that it's very complicated that it's too complicated it's too much time and effort and money to justify such a small market. My other feeling is that they don't want to piss off Windows, but that's neither here nor there. Maybe they have long-standing relationships or whatever. Steam has done its best, Valve and Steam, ever since their inception, uh, well, ever since their adoption of Linux as the operating system for SteamOS, has done their best to offset this by providing incentives and using their market power and leverage uh, through... Um, graphics card companies and hardware manufacturers to make, to coerce more or less, gently coerce um, some developers to release triple, some of their AAA titles and all, we all know that Feral Interactive by the way, does great fucking Linux ports and they do them on a constant basis more whiskey But still, like anyone who's had a belly full, I want more and more and more. I want more games. I want the latest games. Um, and regardless of how you feel about piracy, regardless of how you feel about any of the legality or moral or commercial implications of these things, I think we can all agree that we want more games. And beyond that, this story, this whole flat pack story highlights like a lot of the a lot of interesting um things in the Linux-based games universe. It's a small universe, 3,800 some odd titles available on Steam. Uh, and it's a young universe. Mm. Really, only been out there for about three years because of Steam. So, earlier this month, according to this thread and then subsequent research that I did online, because I couldn't believe this thread, um, it said that uh, pirates and uh, where's crews, <laughs> which is something I haven't thought about in a long time, are now repacked, have gone tired 
specifically in terms of Cuphead, but across, you know, any game will any game that doesn't have DRM built into it, especially the stuff that Ubisoft is using, which actually makes it so that even people who run Windows and who run those games after they buy them, even if they buy a hard copy, that stuff basically means that they never really own their own software at all because it, it that actually involves encryption, the the Ubisoft DRM that they... It also means that it can never be... Uh, if the company ever goes out of business, those discs won't work anymore, which you know, sucks, and is stupid it also means that you can't port it to anything, which also sucks, and is stupid but if it if it, provided that it doesn't use provided that a software title doesn't use either of those two mechanisms for copy protection and provided that it is actually possible to get it to work with wine, which we'll get back to in a moment some guy figured out earlier this month that Flatpak could be used with a little bit of scripting, just a little bit of scripting, to create system agnostic, torrentable, downloadable Flatpak rips of Windows games that will run natively on your on your Linux box without any configuration. Meaning that the dream of Wine, which is, uh, Wine has been around for forever, and for general use software that isn't resource intensive, it's great. What is what is name me a program these excuse me in in the post twenty ten era that isn't resource intensive? And please explain to me what a general use piece of software then is. They're all resource intensive because we have such great computers these days. So provided that it's not too big of a motherfucker, wine will work with, you know, most games, a lot of games, and many applications, like Google SketchUp is something I, I run in wine, although I just use Blender these days, but whatever, I used to run, run it in wine. The problem with games and wine is that they are a motherfucker for the average end user to configure and get right in terms of wine. Like, they're buggy, they might be buggy. They they might run out of the box. I've had a I've had a couple of times where following just simple um, step by step uh, how tos where I've gotten certain applications to run out of the box with wine. But there's still this really pernicious. It's like a weekend project. Generally, if there is hope of running whatever game you want from Windows in wine, and that's if you have the actual install media and etc. Play on Linux has done its best to ameliorate this problem with its own little wine kind of front end and database, but Play on Linux doesn't have that many games and it's not super it's it's basically just another way of abstracting out the complexities um which are not that super complex, but if you you know if you if if it's not what you spend all your time doing you're not going to be playing a lot of games in wine. Now, so that's point. That's our first point. It's that been a pain in the ass for end users, your average end user, to play games on Linux using wine. Now, there is a counter-argument to this, and I support this counter-argument. For major developers who wanted to, who want to put out a quick, not a quick and dirty, because I mean, they've gone really good at this post-Witcher 2. Witcher 2 is the most famous, probably, of all of the um, games that have come out 
all the ports, quote unquote, that have all of the titles that have added Linux compatibility very quickly to their mainstream, to some of their mainstream titles. And Witcher 2 caused a big fucking uproar in the Linux community once everyone re- the their initial release of it for Linux was pretty buggy. Eventually they got it down to a science. It's, it's fucking great now, but um, eventually in trying to solve all the bugs for Linux, end users some savvy end users realized that all that they had done was repackage their game with a wine with a specific wine configuration and it was all running in a essentially a wine wrapper through Steam which was cool but many people in the hard, especially hardcore Linux users, and I can see their point, rebelled against this. They felt that they were being deceived um, because it wasn't because to write an actual port for a new operate for a different operating system does require actually redoing the code a lot many aspects of it. Um, whereas with Wine, it's not written for Linux; it's just written for Wine and they felt that they had been deceived and that this was not going to be good for the greater uh, Linux game uh, software ecosystem because it, do- it doesn't it in no way encourages developers of game titles to actually develop towards which is the goal ultimately to develop towards Linux first <laughs> I mean, you know this is the best of all possible worlds and then to develop for Windows um or to just give us first class equal footing with, as Chris Fisher says, first class citizenship as a computing using member of the free world. Um, you know, don't fucking give us short shrift. You know, and I'm sure the market would explode if, uh, if more, tri- especially triple A, uh, t- uh, phrase I hate, triple A developers, de- you know, added. Uh, parallel Linux development to their Windows efforts, which when you're creating a game, it does involve that would involve a duplication of effort and a lot of wasted time and a lot of wasted resources. However, my main contention, especially since starting the show, has been it is not that difficult. It Well, it might be that difficult, but it's not that expensive for, you know, to have a software team with a dedicated two-week Q&A pass with like maybe three or four you know people working that um, at the end and with like a you know four-week fucking uh, development cycle to do a port with like you know ser- a team of serious developers that shouldn't be that fucking outrageously difficult it might be expensive but not that outrageously difficult well Earlier this month, some some guy, some above average, cream of some young guy, some above average user realized that he could write a very simple, uh, scriptable uh, bash script that essentially made it easy to include the entire wine configuration that works with a Windows rip into a flat pack that will run on any Linux system. Now, the thread that I found on uh, the discussion page for Cuphead 
was about five days old. The Reddit thread that I found was three days old. This is all blowing up right now. It is one of the most exciting things I've ever seen. Yeah, so, there are moral implications to piracy. There are legal implications to piracy as well. I don't really care that much about them. So, I delved headfirst into this because I really wanted to play Cuphead. What we care about are games. Now, I, one of my favorite things about Steam, by the way, as a, as, uh, a marketplace and distribution network is that they everything that's available on there is essentially, for Linux, is essentially as close to a one-click install as you can get. Something that your mom can use. Something analogous to a Nintendo Entertainment System game cartridge. You put the game cartridge in, you turn it on, and you can play. It's as close as you're going to get. Well, no. These flat pack rips, which are torrentable, you can find them on your favorite torrent engine. Um, and uh, I started looking for torrents on Friday. I found about five. Right now, there are 18. They're all from the same uploader. Th- this is blowing up. This is blowing up. And these are complete, full w- rips of Windows games. So, in order to be an ethical little mo- Oh, yeah. Wait, let's go back to the developers. Here is what this sets the table for. Developers no longer have the excuse of it is too expensive, too complicated, too time-consuming, or too small of a market to ignore this kind of technology because someone who is a you know a, an above average user figured out how to do their ports for them and just left out the mechanism to pay the developer sorry developer and this is like this has always been like the way i have used piracy back in the day day was well first of all back in the day day i was you know 13 years old and had no money but um so piracy was kind of essential for a broad range of applications but if you won't do this for us and let us pay you, then we will do it for you and the surcharge will be that we will make it free. So anytime that the market isn't responding to like, you know, the actual content providers as we call them now, isn't responding to the demands of a certain subset of the market, no matter how small you will find piracy. This has been the truth since the birth of the internet. You will find piracy filling in those gaps. I have waited for something like this to happen on Linux for 15 fucking years. So, this obviates that entire excuse. Now, there are several ways that this can play out. What, No matter what, you're going to have a war. This is going to be a war. Uh, and there are a couple of possibilities. Before we return to Flatpak and does it work and etc. Um, here are the possible outcomes in terms of a war. Fine. The developers like Flatpak catches on for Linux 
encourages a broad range of because that's the biggest thing. If you can't play Cuphead, how am I supposed to recommend you know switching to Linux to someone who wants to be who wants to use their their system primarily for games? I could tell them they could play Counter Strike and you know a broad range of other games that are you know similar to what they like. But by the time any new massive multiplayer first person shooter or whatever comes out, by the time that ever gets ported to Linux, if it ever does, which generally they don't, um even with Steam, that whole community, that whole player community has either died or is like whittled down like the most hardcore people who are like level 1000 and they're just fucking you up and that's at best. Otherwise, they've just died and moved on to the next fucking big, you know, Call of Duty 27, the fucking next game that you must buy because you're a tool, you know, and you, you haven't caught on that we're just fucking giving you the same game you just played again. Simpler and simpler and simpler and stupider and stupider and stupider with less and less and less overhead for us. And you are our little milk, you are our little monkey boy. Um, so the, the first possibility is that Flatpak catches on like this, and I think it will, because this is, like I said, I've been waiting for 15 years, it took my breath away on Friday. So you're gonna have, you could have some type of war. This does, regardless of, regardless of, before we continue, regardless of war, this does elegantly and in a very fucking wide, free and open source ideology rules the world. It might take us for forever, but we will figure it out. And when we figure it out, it's we're gonna blow up your fucking we're gonna we're gonna burn your flag motherfucker set your flag on fire so okay so possible flavors of war because there are three three possibilities here war pseudo legal neutrality and then a third possibility which we'll get to before I conclude um, but let's talk about the flavors of war that that could erupt war is always bad especially when it's a a majorly endowed, um, super powerful, endless resources, uh, aspect of the commer- uh, of, of a market, uh, corporate entities with everything to lose. They tend to win those wars. That's why, you know, fucking guerrilla partisans haven't won a war in forever. It becomes a war of attrition. Might be an endless war requiring constant vil- vigilance, but war could erupt because this brings up all of the issues, all the things that that major software developers have tried to avoid in terms of Linux. Because if some kid can do it and look, he fucking published his method, why don't you guys use it? Okay, so instead of doing that, there could be a new DRM war. Because Steam was, people don't remember this, Steam was originally conceived to be DRM. In 2000, through, you know, the present day, but in, in 2000, but prior to September 11, 2001, I was, the uh, Counter-Strike had exploded across the world in a huge way, and had started a global fucking, uh, what do you call it, a, a land cafe ev- revolution where suddenly even the smallest towns in the most remote, remote provinces of, of Korea, South Korea, had everything in common with every small town in the most remote 
uh, you know, bumfuck Egypt places in America, they all had land cafes. 30 computers fucking playing Counter-Strike. Not Counter-Strike Go, not Counter-Strike Source, but Counter-Strike, which Valve had, which Valve would eventually buy because it was a mod. It was a mod for Half-Life. In 2001, sometime post-September 11th, I want to say, Valve introduced, Valve got sick of because what, what did all 30 of those computers the Land Cafe run? They ran pirated copies of Half-Life, which was the only piece of commercial software apart from Windows that you needed to play Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike itself was not a commercial piece of software. It was a mod for Half-Life. So, you could crack, you could download Half-Life or find a CD crack for it, and then, you know, buy 30 computers, hook them up to a T1 connection, and all of a sudden you had a LAN cafe. In Las Vegas, cheers to my old friends, Sulla the Dictator, all my old friends at CZ, CyberZone Las Vegas, where we spent so, and Mojo, ah, Mojo el Poeta! Mm, my old friends, my old compatriots, and to El Sordo! El Sordo! And a Skooky Sprite. By the way, this is, for 20 years now, I've had this name. 17, 18 years now, I've had this name. This goes back to the CZ days of Counter-Strike. So, I'm not off topic. No, I don't press that button. Follow me here, folks, because this is important. Mm. Drinking the whiskey is important. No, um... So the Land Cafe evolution, revolution exploded. I actually got into business for a brief moment with my good old friend Kevin Rains, who's now at Stanford, um, to to replicate the success of CyberZone, to have our own land cafe on the strip. And we uh cost benefit analysis. And we were we were kids in our twenties. But and luckily we didn't do it, thank God, because otherwise we would have been trapped here for forever and Kevin would have gone to Sanford and I wouldn't have gone on to all the drinking I've been able to do completely unsupervised. So Valve got re- Valve, which owned and developed Half-Life was not blind. There were like it was the biggest thing since sliced bread in video gaming history. It was actually a pivotal moment not just a pivotal, it was a huge epoch-shaping moment uh, in the history of video games. Not just computer video gaming, but video games themselves. Because because of this, you get like the Xbox 360's excellent social multiplayer capabilities and stuff, which would come many years later. They were trying to replicate the success that they had experienced at LAN cafes, which were fantastic. CyberZone was open 24 hours a day, allowed you to smoke, was right next to a bar, we were drinking at Cheers, that was the name of the bar. Oh, Cheers with Bernie and Adam and Radar. Oh, poor Radar, who's dead? Um, Cheers is gone now. But, it was great. We were drinking there, we were 20 years old, we would go to Carl's Jr. fucking 5 o'clock in the morning. It was fantastic. We would play for 20 hours, go to class, play for 20 hours more. It was fantastic. And we got really good at it. But anyway, Valve became aware slowly. Hey, you know, our balance sheet isn't showing that we sold 40 million copies of Half-Life these last two years. Hmm. What we need, and they figured out, you know, obviously, because they play games too, you know, they're not fucking morons. 
they figured out that what they needed was a software-based, internet-aware verification software that would actually ping required an internet connection to play, which is cool because Counter-Strike required an internet connection to play until you got the bots eventually, the bot mob, but even then, it still required an internet connection to play, more or less. Um, So they developed this thing that they called Steam, which was really horrendous and fucked up everything really badly because it required individual each machine's verification to ping Valve to check if the actual serial number that was associated with the uh, software along with the actual executable see if it was modified see if anything had been repackaged in the directory tree if anything was missing but mainly to see if the serial number matched a sale that they had made in their database this was incredibly effective and represented a revolution in copyright protection a couple of years later but oh by the way later that year within the next 12 months everyone who's a AAA publisher who made anything that was uh, LAN aware internet aware like could had a multiplayer component wanted to start using Steam especially after EA began using Steam when they published their Battlefront sequels so flash forward to a couple of years afterwards, two or three years after that, like 2004, 2005 Steam began to evolve into not just this simple copyright uh, copy protection but it became their Valve wisely was like, you know, what if we start our own software marketplace so that like we could have so that people who just play Steam games who just want this multiplayer experience like Counter-Strike or Battlefront or whatever can find the latest games right here and we'll also switch over and by the way uh, uh, flashing back to when they first introduced Steam they also incorporate all matchmaking stuff eventually through Steam which was cool because before that it was GameSpy and you had to actually write down IP addresses to get everyone, you know, in the land to fucking join the same fucking server if it was if we weren't playing on CZ server. So, this introduced a consolidation of effort and super uncrackable copy protection because this is the the golden calf that built Valve post Half-Life. This is also why Valve really has never done a Half-Life sequel, and don't you fucking look at me with Half-Life 2 on your lips and question marks in your fucking eyes, because I'll knock those fucking eyes out of your fucking head as I knock your fucking teeth down your throat. That was not a sequel! That was not a sequel! That was a long-form experimental fucking beta! That was a playtest! That was bullshit! That was not a game! That was like five different parts of five different games. No fucking relationship to each other. Don't call fucking Half-Life 2 a sequel. Can you tell that I, I have strong opinions about that? So, eventually it evolves into a full-fledged software marketplace that takes advantage of all of these aspects. We have integrated matchmaking through Steam so that anyone can see the same list of servers. Blah. 
because it's all through Steam, not through GameSpy, not through uh, all of these uh, different websites that just posted the IP number, uh, the IP address of of their constantly running, you know, Counter Strike server or whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> that that was great, and most of all, eventually, like when Steam adopted Linux, flash forward over seventeen years later, because this is we are living in the house that Valve built now um all that back money though by the way all the money that they got from forcing all those land cafes to actually pay for a legitimate registered copy of Half-Life which was great for everyone because it was great for Valve they got their money eventually they used some of that money to buy outright the rights to the mod and hire the developers of Counter-Strike if I remember correctly if I remember correctly that's how it went something like that um, but it was great for the land cafes because fuck it, you know what? We're making money hand over fist that is literally amortized over like the course of a month. That's like a fifteen to maybe twenty percent one time cut to your profits to pay Valve to be legit. And there was no alternative, which is like the best way to ensure that someone fucking does what. Well, in this case, it was actually the right thing to do. Um. And the land cafes, by the time that Steam came out, had already made their money, more or less. So it wasn't like they were trying they were trying to put a roadblock in front of more people playing the games. Generally, every place on the fucking planet by the time Steam rolled out had a land cafe just for Counter-Strike or for whatever multi-purpose you want. The uh, September 11th terrorists happened to use my land cafe at one point to and the odds are very likely that I was in the in that cafe while they were there because I spent all of my time at that cafe but um they had made their money it wasn't like they were trying to put a roadblock in front of more people playing their game so it worked out for everyone and it was you know the right thing to do flash forward to the present day one of my favorite things and I've harped on this constantly on this show about Steam as a marketplace for Linux games is that it provides a one-click, not just easy way to install and play your game on Linux, but a one-click easy way to pay the developers of the game. And Steam, Steam's, um, what do you call it, uh, profit-sharing model with their developers is nowhere near as fucking rapacious and pernicious and vicious and multifaceted and just fucking vile and evil as Amazon's is although Amazon Amazon is doing their best but they're also doing their best to make sure that you get all your content f- across all mediums from them but that's a different story altogether um, Steam's profit sharing model encourages uh, anyone any developer of any size to come up with a game and we'll, sure, you can post it on Steam, you can be, you can step right up, baby, and your game will be available to everyone in one place with 40 million eyeballs. Just, like, you know, it's a fucking meritocracy. If you give it enough time, it will thrive, as the uh, beginning of this show for three years has, has said. Because prior to that, you had to, like, there was no way to publicize your game, even if you finished a game, and you made it, like, fucking freeware, 
you know, there was nowhere, nowhere to publish it, publicize it, publish it, you know, blah. You put it on download.com, great. And so there was also no convenient way to monetize it, to actually get back some money for all the time you spent. And so independent development for a long time was a non-starter. Steam is a marketplace consolidated all of this. It was like have it was like a flip back to 1950 where there were three channels for news. Um, you know, so everyone saw the same news. Everyone could was part of the same community or could join that same community. That was what the Steam marketplace did and that's the power that it brought to Linux. And that's a two-way street. You know, we bring you bring you, Mohammed. Okay, so we'll, we'll get back to Mohammed in a moment. So, first flavor of war is a regression, which we've already seen in terms of Ubisoft. And now, I gotta say that this type of encryption, hang on, we got, I, let me, let me try to look it up again. Cause, oh, fuck, I can't remember. Deno- is, is it called DeNovo? No, it's not. Um, I can't remember what the fuck it's called, but it's the type of encryption that Ubisoft runs uh, as copy protection for all of its games now. It's why not all of its games, all of its games, but most of its games and all of its AAA titles. That is bad for everybody. That is bad for every end user who has ever bought a video game from you, you know, who, who plans to ever buy a video game from Ubisoft. Unlike normal digital rights management software, which is just fucking evil and nasty, amoral, and in terms of the USA, is basically illegal in a lot of ways, in terms of the way it's used, because it restricts me from being able to use what I have bought from you in the way, in any way that I want it. But that's a different story. This de novo shit, or whatever the fuck it's called. I, I'm sorry, I can't look it up right now, and I, we don't have. I, this is going to be like an hour long show, and I don't have the time to fucking find it because we got to get back to flat pack. We're there. We're all of this is not just salient, but is absolutely important to understand in terms of what flat pack means in the context of Linux gaming. This shit's bad. The 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 um. DRM merged with with cryptography so that you can't you never really even own your game even if you own actual DVDs or Blu-rays containing the the software of it legit purchased from you know wherever that's bad the first part the first these are out of order but in terms of war one flavor of war is that the major AAA titles could all switch over AAA developers could all switch over to this horrible horrible bad 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 um insidious fucking cancerous uh type of uh encryption and DRM or they could come up with a new type of DRM which I'm not that opposed to because essentially that's what Steam is Steam itself and the fact that you launch your games through Steam this is something that goodoldgames.com will tell you and any good Linux user who understands what freeze and freedom not free is in beer means, means that we are willing to pay for freedom but not for slavery because that's a bad deal um 
We want our rights. Now, on the far extreme end, you have the reproducibility and modific- and, and uh, uh, the ability to audit and modify source code, which is essential and is what powers free and open source software. Okay, so we could see DRM explode in terms of its use, which would be very, very bad for Linux because the DRM models that the, the, the pernicious encrypted DRM models that are out there now that are in use by some companies like Ubisoft um, will never come to Linux. They will never, ever, ever get ported to Linux. Uh, and that would be bad. That would be devastating for the Linux ecosystem. Now, somewhere in between all of these war scenarios, there is Valve and Steam still serving as a functional arbitrator between all of these parties which is really, really cool to have a major player. By major player, I mean someone with a lot of fucking money. A lot of money, a lot of market share, a lot of leverage in these markets because Steam has fucking 40 million fucking eyeballs on it. You want to sell... And these people who run Steam, I would say that at least half of them are like the hardest of the hardcore gamers you can ever fucking imagine. There are people in my friends list who game almost as much as I do. And I wonder what the fuck they do with their lives. Like, I mean, like, how the... Where are you making your living, buddy? Um, like, anyway. And I have nowhere to talk. Like, I'm a freelancer. I, <laughs> but anyway. These are hardcore gamers. These are gamers who will buy whatever is new, noteworthy, looks good, seems good, smells good, tastes good. They'll buy it. And they won't ever return it. Which is cool. This is great. So, thankfully, there's between all of these war scenarios, there is Valve and Steam as a really functional edifice and arbiter who understands the concerns between software developers of all sizes from independent, you know, one-shot guys all the way through, you know, EA and fucking, you know, whoever the fuck also understands in its own way, they do understand it. They do. They get it. Gabe Newell gets it. Um, Linux and the free and open source software ideology, they also understand games themselves. They also understand, like, actual nuts and bolts of what goes in to a good game, which is, these days, it's community. It's building a community and then having an evolving software ecosystem for that game that's all linked together through in Steam, which is great. So you could talk to your friends, find new mods, set up servers, blah, 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 run the Linux, run the, use the penguins, use the penguins. Oh, Tox. Yes, I just had some new sex with Tox. That was a new low for even this show, which is impossible. That's impossible that there could be a new low for this show, but yes. So, we have Steam and Valve operating as an intermediary permeable membrane capable of talking down anyone who wants to go to nuclear war from the ledge and they also have the connections in the developer in the in the software development community to act and the leverage to make them listen but to be able to you know pick up a phone and go hey yeah you know guys you don't want blah 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 then you also have the closed corporate boardroom structure, which does not understand technology. And this is happening the more that all of the AAA uh, game developers 
uh, have bought, been bought up by major media consolidation multinational corporations alongside with the uh, distribution networks that's also known as your ISP which is our second flavor of war we could see, and this is even worse than uh, digital rights management uh, war against Linux we could see because this is, what this does is it reframes the piracy debate in a whole new way to a whole new subspecies of pirates very 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 pernicious pirates that's us Linux people we're not pirates not all of us are pirates, in fact very few of us are pirates but this opens that door so it is dangerous to be a minority it's also dangerous to be a minority in a war so the second biggest most terrifying thing, which is something that we've seen and something I've said on the Jupiter Broadcasting Mumble Room and in the chat room um, over the last, you know, four years, going back as far as fucking five years ago, I've said this. There is currently a war, a governmental war being waged on technical literacy and free and open access to the internet. Now, I don't mean free as in free, I mean free as in freedom. I don't mean free as in beer, I mean free as in freedom. Meaning that, especially over the last three years, you have seen pernicious lockdowns begin to occur. My own fucking ISP, Cox, out here, which is my only choice. Well, I I could choose between Cox and CenturyLink, but CenturyLink, from what I've heard, is not that great. Cox just upcharged me 50 bucks to pay... 50 bucks for unlimited internet, but even more psychotic, two months ago, so I own a copy of, I can't remember what fucking movie it was, but I own a copy of it. I own, it was, it was, uh, The Newsroom, which is put out by HBO. I own the box set for The Newsroom. I wanted to show my mom a particular clip from The Newsroom, because once every other week or whatever, I get together with my mom since my dad died, and you know, we have like a TV night, like we watch a movie or whatever, it's 6 o'clock, then I go to the bar. Um, It's great, it's lots of fun. I get to reconnect with my mom, we get to enjoy some cool stuff, but I wanted to show her a very specific clip from The Newsroom, and the best way to do that is to come in, pre-prepared, with that clip isolated, plug in my laptop to the TV, okay cool activate the clip we don't have to fucking fast forward my mom is 70 years old it's a you know it could be a nightmare anyway so I'm trying to download a torrent of this episode of the newsroom and Cox shut this download down and my ability to connect to the internet it said that I had been flagged for three complaints from HBO these are bot based auto complaints by the way they wouldn't say that um, they, I had to call them and physically talk to an operator to get them to restore my internet connectivity. Ever since then, I've gone to a VPN, which is an inconvenience and it is a drag sometimes on my connection speed, but it's necessary because that's none of their business. Cox has no business knowing what the fuck I'm downloading and whoever they're feeding, whoever they're allowing, i.e. HBO, to search their traffic for me downloading a torrent of an HBO thing, that's the only way they could have found me more or less, I mean, I'm sure but anyway that was an eye opener that, you know, the shit is real, the shit that I've been railing about for all these years is real um, so you could see a, uh, a renaissance in ISP based tracking um, locked and focused in and 
targeting specifically Linux users, which has happened before. Um, not in terms of ISPs, but in terms of software companies. Um, because it, people don't, peop, some people don't understand what FOSS means. In fact, most people don't understand what FOSS means. I understand it. You understand it, of course. Free is in freedom, not as in beer. There is no such thing as free beer. You pay for free beer. You pay for beer. The beer that you can use in any way that you want to. That is the freedom, the ability to use that beer after you buy it any way that you want to. It's not free beer. We're not talking about like a switching to a communist society. We're talking about free as in freedom. Pay for freedom. It's good. You trust me. Try it. You'll like it. Um, so we could see even in line with all of the fucking uh, FCC appointment this fucking guy is like the biggest danger right now this whole fucking administration is the biggest danger not just to a free and open internet but these people have the power by virtue of the NSA to really create an irresistible unopposable complete lockdown on everything that you think and post a true totalitarian society that will not be able we will not be able to overthrow um, and if you want to know more about that, look up, uh, it's not Miko Haponen, uh, it's, uh, look up the TED Talk on the recent, uh, recently discovered Stasi archives. They weren't recently discovered, but they were, this is a great, great TED Talk about what a real totalitarian society without technology that was totally functional, totally functional, totalitarian society. We're talking about, you know, fucking uh, Germany under the Stasi. Look it up. It's 20 minutes. It will change your life. Um, That was without technology. Google knows everything you think. Google and Amazon now know everything I think. This is Bruce Schneier's line. Before I know that I'm thinking it. And that's true. The NSA has tapped into all of this shit they're not still doing it. They might still be. We don't know. And under this administration, we're likely to never know. Fucking National Security fucking secretary was fucking Mike Flynn who was selling us out to the fucking Russians and all sorts of foreign fucking... So, you know, it, this, this administration, all of these concerns are put on hold because we're all probably going to die in nuclear hellfire with, in more words of Jeff Jeffy Wise, probably before Christmas. But anyway, you could see these tools leveraged because there is a corporate, there's a Venn diagram of corporate technology interests on the left, and on the right there is the governmental agencies and in that Venn diagram, the place where those two circles intersect is the NSA more or less, and that intersection has been widening. When those two circles completely overlap each other, that's called fascism and totalitarianism. Because then they will know everything that you think, regardless of how hard you try to protect yourself. Check out, you know, Glenn Greenwald's No Place to, uh, Nowhere Left to Hide, um, Bruce Schneier's Data and Goliath, his most recent book, and also uh, Schneier on Security, are great places to start if you want to learn more about that. So, that is a very real possibility that the corporate aspect, because these video video games make, as an industry, make more money profit-wise than 
TV, movies, pornography, and sports combined. So these are major profit centers that have been bought up by multinational, humongous corporations, along with the cable providers that probably run your internet. In Canada, it's, um... Oh, fuck! Can't believe it. I can't... Uh, oh, no! I forgot. They have a fucking sports arena. Rogers. The Rogers Center. Anyway. Um... Sorry, someone was just messaging me on Steam. Okay, so... All three of those would be very, very bad. And wars in which... Wars that are waged against a population like, such as Linux users, or against an opposing force that isn't really an opposing force but is forced into partisan guerrilla war just end up being miserable, endless wars of attrition. See Vietnam, see Afghanistan, uh, see Iraq. You know, Afghanistan was was necessary, but we shouldn't still be there. But anyway, that's a different story. All of this, I know, it sounds political. It kind of is political, because ultimately in America these days, everything is political. And it's always been true that every dollar you spend, this is what I was raised to believe, and it's true. It still is true. Every dollar you spend in America is a vote for something. It says that you like, but long before Facebook says, I like this. Make more of this. Bring us more of this. So every CD from a band that you paid full price for, every time you actually bother to go to Amazon and use their music service, which now allows you to download um, the complete, you know, if you want to buy an album from someone, you can now download it as a Z which is great. I will totally, as ever, always try first to pay for stuff that I support. For, you know, because I want more Anne Vreend. I want want her to keep making records. I want her to be able to make a living making records. Or, you know, making music for the internet. Internet. Interwebs. The interwebs of the internet. The Tim Berners-Lee machine. Yes, I want them to keep making more music for that. We have to pay for the mission. How come you get and said that your Linux is very outlawed? And they could make it very, 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 very difficult. Very quickly. And especially since it seems to be trending that way as it is in terms of, like, governmental interference in terms of disabling Uh, legislation that has kept the internet open and free such as net neutrality and stuff but beyond that like actual like uh, prohibitions of uh, doing what Cox has done to me (coughs) Um, that is the trend and it's not a passing trend it's been going on now because it's a pressure from the NSA the NSA wants everything they want everything and they want it to be fucking legal and just you know it's not like back in the old days where if you wrote a letter and you sealed it, you know, you put a postage stamp on it, you send it in the mail, that, you know, real gentlemen don't read each other's email, uh, read each other's mail. Well, these days, and the Stasi, by the way, opened 100,000 and resealed and read and collected 100,000 letters via the parcel post every day. Um... So don't fool yourself that this is some sort of fucking insane conspiracy theory or whatever. No, this is fucking fact. Look up Bill Binney. Look up 
just fucking deal with your reality, especially if you're a Linux user, you should be dealing with this reality. So, the alternative to this, so those are like the couple of flavors of war, both of which diminish the efficacy of Steam greatly, and both of which will be met with an equal, the, the DRM, the encrypted DRM stuff is something that we can't fight unless we have help from within the corporations that I, you know, we'd actually have to get the the keys or whatever but whatever everything else we can fight and those are going to be long wars because we are free and open source software and we know long wars we are veterans of the longest fucking war in computer history it's, it's what we were forged in look at fucking BSD and Linux Anyway, so they are they are workalikes, <laughs> you know. Anyway, so the second possibility. All right, fine. We'll go an hour and a half because this is a fucking awesome topic. The second possibility is we get pseudo legal neutrality, in which, by virtue of the fact that Linux itself is such a small market, I mean, I I used to have stats for this. Hang on, let me. Ivor, can you pause the recording? Okay, so maybe I'm gonna have to do some serious digging and more work to get a reliable actual number which I've seen in certain periods it's something that only comes up every like three years but right right now currently uh, according to um, uh, store.steampower.com uh, forward slash uh, hardware survey but actually you can just get there by steampower.com forward or slash because there's no such thing as a forward slash there's only such thing as a backslash which was invented when a forward slash was invented by windows it's just called a slash, because that's what it is. Slash stats. Um, let's see how many... Anyway, it's 0.6% of the overall Steam uh, hardware Steam sur- hardware survey respondents use some flavor of Linux. That's a small number. Anyway, I totally forgot what the fuck my point was here. Um, oh yeah, by virtue of that small number of overall Linux gamers you could see a pseudo-legal you know, neutrality occur where, like, it's not a big enough problem for developers to even get excited about enough to fight over, which is a good thing and a bad thing because I'm going to tell you the best thing the best thing that could happen is simply starting tomorrow major development houses like, you know, not, it's not going to happen tomorrow but starting in the immediate future like next fiscal quarter as soon as next fiscal quarter begins halfway through, all of a sudden you start seeing that devs have incorporated the flat pack method and that Valve and Steam have responded to this and absorbed it into their best practices, devs incorporate it and we get Every everyone gets what they want and no one has to die you know, no, it does not have to be a war everyone gets paid I love every time I can buy any game through Steam that is published for Linux at any time I especially love it when the game launches with Linux support um, we could start seeing that and this would be the most ideal and the most sense, sensible, rational fucking thing that could happen because then you could start seeing us being right next to in line with, as Chris Fisher 
so famously says, first class citizens of the computer using world, right alongside Windows, um, with Mac still beneath us as air slaves, because Mac sucks. Um, <laughs> it does. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't judge. It's just a Mac sucks. Uh, <laughs> there's my John Hall over there. <laughs> And so that would be the best possible world. But the ultimate thing is, this is something, this is a conversation, this is a point of conflict, this is a, uh, this is a thing that has, for the last three years, only gotten more and more pernicious towards the forefront of my mind. Because originally I'm like, okay, fine, we'll give them, we'll give them some time to adjust. We'll give the market some time to adjust. You know, blah blah blah, balance itself out in terms of oh, well, we have this Linux thing now that we have to deal with. Um, and I figured that it would eventually kind of winnow to like maybe it would take a fiscal quarter before you would see a port of whatever game. No, it's not. And it's what we've seen instead is the exact opposite in that there's like a dangled lie half-truth for almost every game that's going to come out for every platform at launch, but then they launch and there is no Linux and they don't bother to take it off take Linux off of their planned things, they just leave it on there because it's you know, we'll get around to it well that's the way it's been for forever and that usually never happens, forever has taught me one thing, and that that is that usually never happens um, because it not only is the last thing, it's like the last gasp thing, and by the time you give it to us by the time you let us buy it it's, you know out of date, there are no more players playing it, or you know, the whole world it's, it, you know, you forget about it, whatever, it doesn't look as good as other games that are newer and that's why they do it like, Linux is becoming the bargain bin for Steam games, and that is unacceptable and when I say unacceptable, I mean especially, let's return to our topic, you know, directly to our topic. Everything that I, every, this whole fucking episode is salient to this point. Flatpak is now forcing this issue and not in a way like writing the developers, which I have tried, not in a way like Steam serving as a coercive intermediary, provide you know overtly incentivizing, uh, you know the development and release of ports for Steam just to burnish the Steam, uh, brand itself, which is cool. It's awesome. I love that they're doing that. That's a form of activism for free and open source software. Um, I mean, even though it's not open source, it is part. Of, it's buying in. To, we want you to make games for us. God damn it. You may, you port your game now! You give Linux support! You be good friend to your good friend Valve! We give you many sales! So, 0.60% of the sales. But anyway, no, we, no, you do this. Because we're making Steam machines. We have relationships with hardware companies. So, ideally, and there is no reason for the most part, there is no reason why many to most games across the board that are designed for Windows and published on Steam that have a publishing aspect on Steam should now remain uh, unavailable for your Linux distribution. Now, 
And that's the coolest thing. Because, like, no matter what, as hard as this gets, it is, you know, whatever, whatever consequences, this type of piracy, which you could think of as hacktivism in a way, no matter how bad this gets in terms of the way anyone tries to fight against it, we will find ways around it with the exception of the encrypted DRM thing, which is just fucking toxic. And it's not just toxic because, we, you know, there is no way around it. It's toxic because it makes everyone a slave. Um, like, there's nothing to stop a software developer to suddenly disallow your license from continuing playing the game, you know, three years later if they decided that you should move on to the sequel. There's nothing to stop them from doing that. We've 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 uh, discontinued our service for DayX. Fuck you, rape puppet slave people. Um, please upgrade for one hundred and forty eight dollars to uh, DayX two or DayX twelve or whatever our newest game. There's nothing to stop them from doing that, and they will avail themselves of that. And that is antithetical to both computer science, the internet, free and open source software. It's unfair. It is un-American. It is, it's, uh, it's, it's slavery. And it's not right. And it's not moral. It's not ethical. Um, but it is legal. So let's talk about how to do some of this stuff. Um, Sometime tonight, later tonight, maybe tomorrow, I'll publish on at www.bestlinuxgames.com in this week's episode of the column. Last week's installment went up last night, which is, I know, a week late. Uh, that was on Bomber Crew. But I'll publish the notes on this. Here's how to do it. If you're on a Ubuntu-based, Mint, Debian-based, app-based system, it's very easy. Pseudo app get you have to add a repository to install Flatpak, um, but after that it's fucking a breeze, okay so, uh, the repository for Flatpak is something like uh, uh, it's PPA colon Alex, A-L-E-X L-A-R-S-S-O-N slash Flatpak, F-L-A-T-P-A-K and then you app get update and then you app get install Flatpak now, Flatpak has its own built in, it's just like apt it has its own built-in uh, software sources and repositories, which anyone can add their own flat pack of anything, you know, to it, provided that, you know, but that's really cool. You can't get Windows games that way because it's piracy and it's illegal. And by the way, I, before I continue with this, I do want to say, for purposes of clarity, I have experimented with other games than the game that we're talking about here, but here's what I did for Cuphead, because I want to pay Cuphead. And this is the other edge of the double-edged sword. Every time I pay Cuphead, the people who made Cuphead, and they haven't already made a Linux version of Cuphead that I can buy legally, I am rewarding them for not having already done that. So ideally, if... It depends on your moral compass, but for me, and because I have a podcast... I felt uncomfortable punishing the developers of Cuphead by just downloading, you know, the Flatpak Linux of Cuphead, which is free. 
get it from a torrent site. Um, I bought the Steam Windows only version of Cuphead, and I plan on, you know, giving my plus one or whatever to the Linux support thread later on. Because I'm going to tell you, we got 20 minutes left. This is perfect. We are right on schedule. So, so I, so in one sense, you can't accuse me of piracy. I mean, yeah, sure, this isn't the official version of Cuphead, but I bought Cuphead already. Alright? So, anyone who wants to get on my case, and by the way, I don't want to hear anything from anyone about, this is not a conversation about piracy. This is a conversation about why the fuck can some average user figure out a way to package into the dream of one-click cross-distribution, cross-system installs that are easy to download of games that ostensibly are completely impossible to ever port to Linux. They can do this in their spare time, and then they wrote a script for it and, you know, describe their method. It is not that complicated. So we're going to talk about specifically about Cuphead. So you got Flatpak installed. Go to the column for this week. I have to finish writing it because blah. But one of the cool things about Flatpak, and one of the reasons why Flatpak hasn't caught on as like the one true package distribute, you know, blah. It's not actually a package distribution manager or whatever. It's a system agnostic sandbox package distribution for you know kind of thing stuff. Blah. So it runs essentially it's not easy to update is what I'm trying to say it's not like apt where it becomes part of your system or apt or pacman or yum where the installed package you know becomes part of your system and is monitorable auditable or whatever by dpackage and all that shit it's a separate system and yeah you can anyway this makes it not that great for you know, mission critical stuff that you want to run in production. It does make it great for stuff like games. Stuff that have really low turnaround, low update factors. You know, an update gets pushed, like what? Once every month at, at the most. Um, you know, blah. So then you just download the new fucking flat pack of it. It's you know, blah, uninstall the old one, you install the new one, and bam, you're running the new version. So, one application, you know, free and open source software that you can get through Flatpak, you can look at Flatpak's entire repository, just in the command line, just in the terminal, and if you're running Ubuntu, after you install Flatpak, it adds all that shit to, like, the Ubuntu software store and stuff, which is really cool. So you have a GUI for it. Um, ostensibly, that's coming to every major distribution soon. Um, if they have a software store that doesn't suck. Mint software store sucks. Ubuntu Mate's curated software thing is great, or was great. You know, Popey, or uh, Martin Wimpress does a, has done a great job with Ubuntu Mate, but I haven't used Ubuntu Mate in a long time. So anyway, your results may vary. I do know it works in your uh console in your terminal so you got installed a great application called peek p-e-e-k which is a um has never been available for any I've not been able to install it 
or maybe I just didn't know about it, or maybe I tried it. I can't, I don't know how old it is. I just know that I have spent a lot of time looking for an animated uh, GIF maker that doesn't require me to do, to actually like fucking, you know, if it's AVI based, to gop chop specific seconds out of it and then fucking import that video as an animated file into like GIMP or whatever and then convert that into an all of this takes for forever if you have to do it by hand using an actual video editor because it has to uncompress the video and then, ha- then you have to fucking edit the video then you have to move the fucking little chunk that you want all the way to the front you strip you know blah 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 then you have to fucking re-encode that little chunk of video and you have to find it and you have to fucking do blah blah blah, blah, blah. There's an application called Peak that I've never gone to run on Ubuntu or Debian or whatever prior to Flatpak, which you can find the instructions for and the links on how to do this. It works. It's great. It's just like it's just like a mini mall. No, what's really cool about it is that it is a screen cap package with a resizable window and a big record button at the top. So if you want to rip something from like a hilarious YouTube video that you've seen and turn it into an animated uh, GIF, like turn around like that. Like, I mean, literally as long as it takes to queue up the video again and then press record after, you know, resizing your little thing, bam, you're done. Could not do that. It's because I think probably because it's mainly a KDE application and I only run GNOME. Anyway, so you can find out how to do that on in the column for this week which also contains uh, links to all the major links that I've found on this technology excluding torrent links now so you got your flat pack installed and you want to play Cuphead on Linux okay I was thinking yeah sure right this was flashing back to uh, Thursday or Friday night I mean sure yeah this is never ever 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 because this is crazy. I'd spent like five hours, or three hours reading about all this stuff, all the technical merits and technical deficiencies and all of the arguments on piracy and software and legality and morality and blah and the commercial viability further of Linux is and so then I'm like, you know, fuck this. I'm going to try it myself. Let's see how hard it is because the dream of course here is one click essentially, although it does require the terminal that's fine, because that, that'll just keep the posers out until someone makes a front end and blah. Um, and the terminal aspect of it is not scary. If you hate the terminal, then you are... I won't call you a moron, but I will say that just like the actual definition of idiot, which is someone who's not interested in politics, if you don't know how to use your terminal and you call yourself a Linux user, then you are an idiot in the Linux sense. You need to learn how to use your terminal. If you're not completely comfortable with the terminal, there are fucking great tutorials. There's like a fucking YouTube, like, instant fucking tutorial. I'm sure there has to be. Anyway, so... I'm going to tell you exactly how to do this, though. So be sure to register a fucking copy of Cuphead if you want to do this and like have some sort of, you know, moral shield of legality, but that is also anti-Linux credit, street cred for you because that does reward the developers of Cuphead for not actually coming out with a Linux version, but it does also punish them if you don't pay for one. It's up to you. This is your moral compass. I am not your keeper. I am describing a method here that I used for testing. Mm.
So, I did a Google search after Flatpak was installed for, and I had to, I had to go to Google. Like sometimes I try to do all my searching through DuckDuckGo, but um. It's weird because they all kind of disappeared and they reappeared from search results. Anyway, I ended up going to and discovering like a rebirth of a Kickass Torrents named alike. No, don't do it this way. Uh, kickasst.eu who knows how long that'll be available. I've also found torrents just by searching on the Pirate Bay. Um, the search criteria that I have had the most luck using is at least on kickasst.eu has been uh, Flatpak, F-L-A-T-P-A-K hyphen Linux um that's my search criteria and I I think uh, but Pirate Bay is so fucking weird that that's worked on uh, Kick-Ass T but Pirate Bay is a little more aleatory a little more weird um, sometimes I've gotten no results sometimes I've gotten tons of results you should get about 15 results as of the time of you know this posting um, and what you do is I found uh, flat, Flatpak Linux Cuphead you download that, you torrent it, get the magnet link or whatever, torrent it. Oh man, there's a lot of cedars now. This is exploding. And that's the other thing that I, I meant to say. That's why we're clear, clearing the decks because this is explosive. Like I said, I've been waiting 15 years for this. So I downloaded Cuphead. Took like, you know, 20 minutes or whatever for the torrent to complete because there were only like three cedars. Now there are a lot more and there are a lot more games. They're actually adding about five more games. And this is only one user, too, which is weird. So you wait till that finishes. Then you CD into the the folder that's that has been downloaded to, like, you know, your downloads folder or whatever. You change mod and change owner, make it executable and make it your average user's um, files on the install.shell and the run.shell and so I'm sitting there. It's like 7.30, whatever. I have all the text messages to Jeff Jeffy Wise um, that like described this kind of as it was happening. And then uh, in your terminal, you know, in the same folder, you do, uh, you know, period slash install dot shell. And it'll install it for you. It requires a couple of dependencies that are all in that install thing. Um which you want, if you want, you can look at it. It's, a, it's like a four-line script. Um, and then you do uh, and you do uh, you know, period forward slash run dot shell press enter and uh, you're playing the game. Well, Cuphead and his Cowboy Man, they like to roll the dice. By chance, they came on a devil's game. Yeah, it works. 
and it works as good as the game works on Windows. So, my jaw, fuck, you could hear my jaw hitting the floor from the International Fucking Space Station when this worked. Because I was like, oh, there's no way it's going to work. No fucking way, right? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. I mean, you know, it's no way it's going to work, right? Oh my god! Yeah, 15 years waited for something like this. Because, you know, blah, and especially these last three years, I've been waiting for the open source community to help all of these developers with their little Linux problem by showing them, by creating and showing them a very easy, simple, across-the-board way to cut down their QA costs. You don't have to worry about fucking all these Linux distributions. You don't have to worry about, like, fucking re... about doing an actual port. You don't have to worry about who's gonna... And if you run it through Steam, by the way, if you were to run Flatpak through Steam, you could totally do that. That would ensure that there was no way to worry that you were losing money. Because everyone would pay for it. Because the easiest and simplest way for your average user to get a hold of content is to make it easy for them to pay, go to where they like to pay for shit, like on the Steam Marketplace, and make your app available there. Then there's no fucking credit cards, you know, blah, 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 blah. Now, there is a multiplicity of software of Windows games that are available currently via this Flatpak method. Uh, which include A Hat in Time, which is a really cool looking game, um, Dead Cells, Banished, uh, Mafia, Phantom Brave, Vaporum, Antihero, uh, Alice Mare, One Bit Heart, and a couple of other games. Like I said, this shit, in terms of like people knowing about it and using it for this, literally the Reddit thread was three days old when I found it on Thursday. So this is now blowing up. I want to blow you up. So, there you go. And please, you know, be aware of follow all the laws and stuff and scriptures and your laws and strictures and your scriptures and your locality. But I'm telling you that this is the beginning of something enormous. I mean, enormous. Because there really is no upper limit to what you can do with this. And Flatpak is uniquely situated for this. And the method is known. We'll have links to all of that stuff in this week's installment of the column, which probably won't be up in all honesty until tomorrow night or Tuesday night. But, uh... Yeah. It's fucking really rad. 
Flatback would be completely impractical to use as an alternative to whatever your native package manager is if there if you can install the software that you want via your native package manager like i'm i'm switching away from games here i'm thinking more about peak game uh, uh, a program like peak which which is is fabulous but it by virtue of the fact that it requires video and all this other stuff doesn't change your conf- your system configuration doesn't require anything I want to see OBS fucking come out with a NV encoder ready version of itself in a flat pack and there's all sorts of other um, software stuff available and out of the box in their online repository um, uh, which the instructions for, for which you know it's all command line to l- check out what the fuck right now, but that's not hard, if you know how to install stuff from, you know there's no GUI like Synaptic currently available, that's cross platform available, but it's a new era and now we have to watch and see as this coming conflict this is a, this is a gauntlet being thrown down Blue Wizard is about to die, because we're gonna see over the coming months first, what what games, you know, and and now that this method has been published, it's not, it's only been widely known, it's only been even remotely known for like a fucking couple of weeks at best. We're going to see average users begin picking up this method, taking it apart, putting it back together again, and then torrenting their own games. Which is going to be awesome. So no more will it be that if you are a Linux gamer, you have absolutely no alternative but Steam streaming to another computer that you bought with a Windows license to just to play fucking Mirror's Edge or whatever. We are on the cusp of, I mean, that is one, that's three commands that you need to know. And a, a, a more you know, you have to also know how to torrent and stuff, download torrents and shit, but that's not difficult. So, welcome to the new era. That's our show for this week. I'll catch you again, hopefully, on this Friday. You know, blah. Check out the Steam Halloween sale. And remember, it is always better to pay for games, to pay for content that is made available to you. When you're treated like a first-class citizen, if you can pay for the content easily and effectively... And not using Bitcoin, because you want to save those. Um, you want to save those for at least another five years. But um, but using a credit card or a gift card, such a thing like, oh, I wonder what marketplace could possibly have such a... Oh, such as the Steam marketplace is always better, not just legally and morally, not just to cover your own ass, but to encourage developers. However, if developers seem to have a problem with responding to your encouragement then you are no longer stuck with absolutely no recourse but to sit and wait with your thumb up your ass which is another form of slavery it's and it's a second class form of exclusion ex- of exclusion from what the normal people are doing that makes you an other that makes you a less than that makes Linux users a less than and we are a more than but all we want 
we're not we're not stuck up. I know you are just like me. Your friendly average friend and neighbor. You just want your rights. And I think that at this point we now have the right. And this demonstrates that we have the right and we have the power. If you won't give it to us, then we will take it. Cheers. Have fun. Oh, and if you want to uh, get in touch with me, as always, at Vegas Writer, V-E-G-A-S-W-R-I-T-E-R. This might have been like, I don't know, like I had other ideas for this show in terms of how how deep and involved I wanted to get with it uh, that were kind of better, but I think we covered it. I think we did. Hey, Ivor, we can call this a good show, right, Ivor? Ivor's giving me the thumbs up, and he doesn't even work here anymore. So, I hope you enjoyed this. I know it's a little long, but tell your friends. Tell them to check this out. This might help them change their mind if they're on the fence about Linux gaming. Soon, very soon, not at the, not on the pocket watch or timetable of some fucking multinational corporation, but, well, we'll see if, you know, anyone wants, you know, fucking Doom champions or whatever, fucking maybe they're working on it right now and that's what free and open that's what FOSS Idiosphere is excellent at the problems that you won't solve, we will solve, might take us 15 years, but we will solve them alright, cheers, catch you later there is no Windows version of weaponized chess Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.